Welcome to the Heavenly Banquet, where the hungry are filled with good things. I'm Charlotte. I'm Chad. Chad. Yes. Saw these guys on Twitter, and they had little tulip emoticons on their bios, and I thought, my first thought was, no. look at all these guys from the Netherlands <laughs> who are following me. That's so cool. I love the Dutch. That's not what that meant. And y'all, it's not, so it refers to them wanting to proclaim that they're five-point Calvinists. Yeah. Which I've heard it before. I think I was one at some point. Yeah, I was. But, but I just had kind of lost sight of it. And then the fact that there's this kind of bumper sticker theology around, like, I'm a tulip guy. And uh, these five things are more important to me than anything else, and I've got them in my bio and whatnot. So I thought we could kind of look at these points and just kind of see where we are, what's helpful, what's not, and kind of check in. So maybe it's important to state first that, okay, so TULIP uh, is an acronym for uh, the five points, and those are total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. Okay? And this little scheme was devised at the Second Synod of Dort, which was met at 1618 to 1619. So we're past Calvin's dead. But it's related to Calvin. I got bad news for you. Yeah. Calvin's dead. Yeah, it is related to Calvin. So it's kind of Augustinian theology by way of mm-hmm. Calvin. Mm-hmm. And it's so, but just a point, it's not like a direct, yeah. oh, Calvin came up with this as a shorthand for his theology. Right. right? You're not going to find the five points of Calvinism in Calvin's Institutes. Right. right. Or any of his other volumes and volumes of writing. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, and this is also come up with in opposition to the five articles of remonstrance, which kind of encapsulate, um, Arminian theology. Right. Uh, so this direct opposition between Jacob Arminius and John Calvin and oh, basically over what shall we say, uh, divine sovereignty. And free will. And Yeah. I want to point that out since because it's been devised in opposition to something else, mm-hmm. then we already have this kind of rhetoric of debate mm-hmm. and even kind of a forced set of uh, these five points to directly counter the five remonstrances. Yeah. Right, so to say, no, we don't believe that, we believe this, right? Um, So there's something kind of artificial about that, let's say, and also that whole scheme of, like, theology and conflict Mm -hmm. uh, as part of a debate means it, in my mind, would force you to maybe take a more extreme position in some way than you might otherwise. But folks who are five-point Calvinists think they are hardcore Calvinists and they love this stuff. Oh yeah. There's, uh, there's no half half efforts when it comes to people who hold a five point position. No, you don't get to be like I'm just the lip part. <laughs> <laughs>
I'll take the vowels. Some people, and... some people might be a two-point Calvinist, but they just haven't thought it through. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's go one through five. Okay. Total depravity. Total depravity. What do you got? What do they think it means? <laughs> or what do they mean by it? I shouldn't. Not what do they think it means? <laughs> Speaking of confrontation. I know. Um, what's their intention? The, the the core of it is that we are unable to choose the good by ourselves. I'm totally on board with that, honestly. Choosing the good, in, including, you know, the ability to follow God, to have faith, and all of that. Um, that our will is broken, and it's only through grace that we can choose the good. Now, their understanding of total depravity is includes <laughs> as a package deal all the original sin excitement from Augustine. Oh, okay. So you know, there's a literal fall in Adam. Mm-hmm. We have all we have all died stuff. We inherited guilt. Yeah. Just by nature of our birth. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. I don't like the word, I don't, you know, I'm kind of on board that, I don't think we can do anything without God's grace, but, but yeah, the good. I just don't like the word depravity, total depravity. I'd rather save that for really depraved things, mm-hmm. which I don't think every time mean, we miss yeah. the mark is, you know, I don't know, it's just the word, I think has always thrown me off. Puts too much weight on things that, yeah, I, sh- I could have, should have done better, but that wasn't a world changer. Well, and or even all, a world changer for me or the anyone else. It tends to lead to what I call worm theology, that we're just pieces of feces, not worth anything, you know. Yeah. It can be extreme. Um, I don't know that... The image of God is so wiped out that, um, I don't know, it just depends on how, how you want to define total depravity. Sometimes I feel like people define it in such a way, we, we just can't do any good. Yeah. Um, or that everything, I don't know. And see, and of course the idea is it infects everything. Uh, our knowledge I don't know. I think we see goodness and beauty. I think we understand it. But of course, I'm going to say that's all divine grace anyways. I mean, I can get on board with it. I just don't like the word depravity. Yeah, it's it seems to have more weight on it than necessary. Yeah. Uh, because it also, it seems to level out, if it's all totally depraved, mm-hmm. then there's no distinction between, between a cannibalistic serial killer yeah. and when I ate more pie yeah, than I should have, exactly. and I knew I shouldn't have done that. You Those know? are not the same thing. I don't know. It depends on what kind of pie you're eating. <laughs> Sweetie Todd <laughs> has entered the chat. Uh, yeah. How about totally dependent on grace? Yeah. I think that's so much better. Yeah. We'll keep the tea. We'll keep the tea. Let's, <laughs> let's do totally dependent. <laughs> okay. Also, I mean the the particular concept of original sin here. I'm not on board. Is too much. Yeah, um, is not how I read uh, Genesis one through three, no. and isn't um, I don't think particularly helpful. 
I'm on board actually though in some ways with some ideas of inherited sin or guilt because there's some ways in which biology is actually bearing that out through generational trauma. And I think there's some useful things there, you know, and I think there's something useful even even thinking like I didn't choose this world or these circumstances mm-hmm. into which I were was thrust into into which I was born. So I think there can be useful aspects of that to try to describe our relationship to the world mm-hmm. and our relationship to the good, our understanding of our will. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the whole literal someone was disobedient once as a first parent and then everybody's condemned. Yeah. No. And that's the inherited guilt part is I agree we inherit all kinds of things from those who come before us we come into a world but we don't come into this world guilty before God forget that right yeah that's different yeah so yeah okay okay you unconditional election so again okay heart of it that I'm into God elects regardless of merit. Right. There's nothing that we do. You don't to, have to meet conditions. Yeah. To merit any kind of grace. It's independent of who we are or what we are. Mm-hmm. God chooses us for salvation. Now, there's a part of this that I don't care for that's yeah. wrapped into that, which is that we're predestined to this glory before the world even began. Now, we're not to the other letters yet. (laughs) I know, right? We have to come back to that. Yeah, because I'm ready to go, great, all of us. But it's not because, let's just, we'll move on into L then. Is Mr. Limited Atonement. Right, so you've got total depravity, unconditional election, and now limited atonement. Yeah, so limited atonement. Though the death of Jesus Christ is sufficient. To atone for the sins of the whole world. Mm-hmm. Well, God intended it to work itself out only in the elect. Yeah. And of course, the elect are limited. Right. right. To those that God had chose before the world began. Yeah, and God only chose some. Right. That's such a hard doctrine. Because, I mean, because let's be clear. If I choose the winners, I'm choosing the losers. That's right. Because I do try to differentiate and say, well, God only elects those who are saved. The rest, God didn't do that. Because they they (laughs) say from the get-go, everybody's condemned. Right. And God elects some to salvation. I think that somehow absolves absolves God from choosing the others to damnation. Right. That's how we're going to see it. Right. We're supposed to get really happy and put all the kinds of glory into God choosing some for mm-hmm. salvation be like god didn't need to do that mm-hmm. we, we were all because you know, made for damnation apparently right and then god has saved some of us and glory be to god but this goes back to the whole original sin thing and everybody's condemned because they're progeny of adam right this has a scheme in which god is just creating trash basically either so, yeah. refuse is going to go into the fires of hell so why what what yeah, God intentionally creates people to eternally torture them. Yeah, there's no other way I can understand that. Yeah. 
Which is a horrible doctrine and should be rejected. I agree. <laughs> and I don't, I mean, even the idea that grace of the Christ event mm-hmm. is sufficient to save all and yet no. And yet no. Why Why bother with that whole thing? Why then? the extra work, Jesus? Yeah. Do a little, a little <laughs> something for the ones you already chose or something. Yeah. And then, unless that's just another, I mean, seemingly petty way Mm -hmm. to kind of rub it in folks' faces. (laughs) Like, there's plenty of good food around here, but not for you. You're not going to get any, sorry. Well, and let's talk about the Arminian position, which is Um, unlimited atonement. Yeah. And how is that possible? Well, because the Christ event Mm -hmm. is sufficient for for the entire world. Mm -hmm. And it's not limited by God, it's limited then by who... Who chooses. Yeah. Human choice. Yeah. So instead of God creating... Um, instead of God creating people who God knows won't be saved, God creates taking the risk, pretty much knowing that some aren't going to choose. Yeah. But because of the great value of free will, God's willing to create them and then eternally torture them. <laughs> yeah. So, it, so that the great good of free will is more important than the person. Yeah. And I cannot accept that. Yeah. First of all, this is kind of a tangent, but this idea is referred to as libertarian free will, but the idea that I could have chosen otherwise, therefore I could have chosen Christ, that's not the scriptural notion of freedom. The scriptural notion of freedom is you do God's will. Mm-hmm. You know, it, right. You know, you know yeah, what I'm you saying? Yeah, you have freedom to pursue the good. So the, the idea of free will is kind of this great good. I, I can only truly obey God if I'm able to disobey God. Right. Or I can only truly love God if I'm able to not love God, which is strange. Yeah. I mean, I love people I didn't choose to love. Believe me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I love people that I couldn't choose not to love. So I don't know that love or goodness depends on my ability to not do it. It's just a weird... Yeah, I agree. I think there's some in that tradition wanting to protect God from being like a kind of tyrant. Mm -hmm. So, and this would take us then to the next letter. Mm -hmm. But this idea in Calvinism of grace being irresistible like if god chose you you got chosen right it's gonna happen yeah it's like it's a conscription there's no like oh excuse me no thank you uh so the protection of free will is to support a a more kind of egalitarian relationship or something between humanity and the divinity or at least not making the divine just a kind of a tyrant. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the main motivation was to save God from looking unjust. It's on people. Right. But the problem is we come into a world where we cannot escape the conditions of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can't be saved from those conditions without grace, even in the Arminian tradition. Mm-hmm. So you're still not escaping God. Because you have a whole doctrine of prevenient grace that brings you to the position where you can choose. So, it's like um, undercover predestination. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. But I get it. They're, they're trying to preserve certain ideas because somebody's got to go to hell. <laughs> that's pretty much what it is. Right? I mean, that, that seems to be what the, it comes down the to. thing worth protecting more than anything else, that's isn't right. it? That's right, yeah. 
God's wrath rather than God's love. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know if we want to get off on this tangent, but I often wonder what is it that keeps people, I know there's scriptural issues, but I think some people just don't want everybody to, <laughs> to ultimately be reconciled to God or something, or they feel... Like there's not enough God to go around. Or heaven is going to get too crowded. Or it's got to be us and them. Yeah, I think it's us and them. And I think it's like I get my worth by this supposed position. And right. if you share it with me, then it's not worth anything. Yeah. And maybe that's not the most generous argument. I'm sure people who hold that position will come up with. I'm sure there are some intellectual theologians or some that mm -hmm. do that. But I'm telling these guys with tulips in their bios... You know they they are they're the same guys doing the Christian nationalism and everything else. Well, because their whole yeah. thing is, it's me, it's God and me, and I'm good, and everybody else can. And see, rot in hell. Here's the thing, and this goes back to Calvin. According to Calvin, and when when you argue to these really hardcore five point Calvinists, they're going to argue that God ultimately only loves those that God saves. Right. So, you know, how's that when, not going to play out in, in your dealings with other people? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Then that's telling you who you can love or yeah. not. You don't have to love this person. So you've decided that, yeah, these people are in and these people are out. They're reprobate. They still use that term, too. They do. Now, the distinction we might throw in from Calvin is, I think, throughout the institutes and whatnot is this idea that you won't, you can't know who's right. saved and who's not. Sure. Now, these folks seem to be extraordinarily secure of their own salvation and their buddy boys. Mm -hmm. um, even though we have, you know, this whole idea of, you know, unconditional election, you don't know, it doesn't matter, nobody merits it. Yeah. You know, there will, there, supposedly there, there should be signs of the elect, mm -hmm. uh, that you would judge them know. by their fruit, but yeah. you don't know. Right. Are we still on limited atonement? <laughs> we moved uh, kind of into irresistible grace. So, so we've done tulip, total depravity, unconditional election, limited right. atonement, and, and irresistible, irresistible grace. grace. So, irresistible grace that grace overcomes any resistance. You cannot refuse it. So, if you're elected. Grace is going to be efficacious. It's going to bring you to where you need to be. Yeah. Yeah. There's no refusing it. This isn't an offer from God that you accept or deny. Yeah. It's God has put you on God's team. You're part of the elect, and that's that. Hmm. Well, first of all, I reject limited atonement. I'm going for unlimited atonement. Oh, me too. And it's not based on human choice. God is is elected everyone. Yeah, I'm with you. So in terms of irresistible grace, I'm going to say it's more irresistible now than it will be in the next yeah. life. Mm, yeah, interesting. Because, well, ultimately I think everything's going to be reconciled back to God. But I think this life is to prepare us for that. And obviously not everybody's getting ready. So they're resisting something. I don't know. I mean, ultimately, I think grace is irresistible. Yeah, I would agree with that. I just think in this world, God is hidden. 
um, God's revealed, but to say something revealed is revealed assumes it's hidden. I think in the next life, God won't be hidden. And so uh, the, the gentle grace that brings us through a process of growth in this world is going to be very much different when God's not hidden, when there's no illusions, when all my defenses are down. That's going to be a different experience. Yeah. I don't think we're going to be able to resist that. But I think it's going to be, it could be more painful. So I don't know. I, I'm with irresistible grace. I'm just not going to understand it the way the cat. I consider myself reformed. Oh, yeah. In the tradition of Calvinists. So when I say Calvinist, I just mean five-point Calvinist. I'm not going to agree with them. No. What do you think? So the, about irresistible yeah. grace? I'm on board with the irresistible grace. Mostly because the grace is from God. Then grace can overcome anything. Mm-hmm. So then it has to be irresistible. By its very nature. Yeah. yeah. But I also... You know, the way that we see God working in the lives of others or not, I don't think we see like, oh, God's definitely got that one and is jerking them around sort of thing. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. But I also um, believe that ultimately, I think with you, that grace is irresistible because I believe that God wants to reconcile all things to God's self. Um, and that God will work that out. Yeah. That nothing that nothing can entirely resist God can overcome yeah, God. Right. That's the heart of it. Then yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and of course in the Arminian tradition, they're going to say you can resist grace. Yeah, yeah, that it's a choice that's offered, that it's before mm-hmm. you. It's that prevenient grace. Yeah. Offer some influence. Some influence, but you can little, always be like, kind of a nah, salesperson. Yeah. Sorry, God, I'm stronger than you. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you to all that salvation. All that goodness. Yeah. I don't want that. I mean, this is a thing. People, uh, and this is going to be, it. but you know, when you enter a more direct presence of pure love, how are you going to resist that? I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why would you? And all your defenses are down. No, if we say you're um, confronted with the beatific vision, yeah. you can see like, nah. <laughs> God, God is all in all. And you're like, yeah, this really isn't for me. Yeah, the ultimate good that we're always seeking, that we put into other things. <laughs> we finally are in front of it and we're like, nah, no, we'll wait fake for something news. <laughs> I don't care for this very much. Uh, no, yeah, that's no, not that would, That's happen. an irresistible proposition. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a proposition you can't refuse. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's more than a proposition. Let's we'll yeah. say that. Now I'm yeah. back on Pravinia. But, yeah, I mean, it's... How, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so we got... It's an overwhelming confrontation. Yeah. Um, okay, perseverance of the saints. So, once you're elect, you're elect. You can't... You, so you, you can't, can't refuse the initial grace. You can't refuse... You can't drop out of the team. You can't send your salvation away. Yeah. Yeah, I'm already there. I'm already there. I mean, the 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 only real problem I have with Tulip is limited atonement. Once that goes, the rest of it works fine as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, who am I? I mean, here's the thing. Calvinism is... Five-point Calvinism is one step away from universal reconciliation. 
if we just redefine a couple of the terms. Mostly limited atonement. Yeah. yeah. Keep, yeah, because I'd say, oh, it's, you know what, it's limited to everyone. <laughs> um, I guess I guess for Perseverance of the Saints, the only issue I had there isn't, isn't a theological one, yeah. so much as the way it gets used by this kind of haughtiness mm. of like an assumption that you're in the elect, and particularly, and I will never, ever understand what it means to be a Reformed Baptist or a Calvinist Baptist. But those folks who are like, I did the altar crawl, I did the thing, uh-huh. I'm born again, I had my believer's baptism, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And like, nothing else matters. Like, you can become... I went to work at being becoming like Christ. A monster, yeah. Well, I There's think... no further discipleship because like, they're so secure somehow that... Uh-huh. Which I'm like, okay, if you're, yeah, if you're true, you can't fall away from God. Mm-hmm. God will always work to pull you back. And it may not be in this world, it may be in the next. Mm-hmm. So I believe that, but that doesn't mean you get to just be a, a poop. Well, yeah, the, the, moment you, 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 the moment you assume under this kind of framework that I'm good, I don't have to worry, or I don't even want to say that, my salvation is secure, then it's like a free pass to, like you say, be a jerk. Right. <laughs> and I think, you know, Calvin would use language more around, like, our response mm-hmm. to the free gifts of God Yes. is to act in God's goodness, is to pursue goodness, is to pursue love right. and acts of charity. Isn't to go, thanks God, thank you for making me so great. <laughs> Thank you for. I'm not like this tax collector. Oh, thank you, thank you, God, mm. thank you, God, that I'm so wonderful. Now I got to go on Twitter and tell all these women they aren't bastards. <laughs> <laughs> because that'll change hearts and minds. Thank you for the hall pass, God. Yeah. Yeah, that's just mean. My experience with I don't want to be say every five point Calvinist, but very often they're kind of harsh people. Yeah. No, I never got, oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very intellectual a lot of times and very much doctrine-oriented. I got into conversation with some about love, and I was shocked. Because they're like, God only loves some people. I was like, what? Right. I couldn't believe it. But yeah. Which I guess if if you take... The limited atonement and all that. Yeah, apparently God only does love some people because He created some to live and others to be to be damned. But yeah, it's just terrible. And and that is terrible and a weird theological thing to want to stake a claim in. But then it's allowing them to then go, I only have to love some people. Exactly. Yeah. And guess what? Guess who God loves? The same people that I do. <laughs> guess who God hates? Isn't the that... same people that I do. What a coincidence. Yeah, it really works out.